Okay. So while you're so thanks. while I'm getting yeah. this bottle ready, and I'll I'll explain why I brought this bottle. Yeah, that's shortly. that's. Uh, I see Evan Williams on that label. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, but it's a special bottle. Yes. It's a hundred proof. It's delicious. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna get into this in a second. I'm into it. But uh, before before I pour that, um, so you're talking about how we interact, and I was talking about conversations. Um, you you talked about millions of years of evolution that got us to where we are yeah. as in our ability to communicate. And, and I don't think I mentioned this last time we talked, uh, one of my core philosophies, uh, has simply become that it is really important to understand that we have no original thoughts. Everything that's in our brain was put there by somebody else at some point in our life, probably long before we were able of recognizing that we have independent thought. Um, and this is where I, this is, I read too many, too much Zen in my life. But well, my, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, you're kind of, you're getting into the nature and nurture type. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. like, and, and, and I've read some on that, but I, I genuinely like, I go when I, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. When I say that you, you have no original thoughts, that's not a bad thing. What it means is you need to analyze every thought that you have and figure out who it serves, who benefits from you thinking this, right? Whatever thought structure, whatever belief structure, whatever idea you have, it probably, because unless you came fully born from the womb with a whole mental structure, which none of us have, um, and, yeah. and, and one of the things that, that, that made me realize this is uh, back in the early 90s on MTV, uh, they had a series of of ads with Dennis Leary. And I say ads, like an MTV ad was like 15 seconds of silliness, right? <laughs> but Dennis Leary, uh, back in, I remember this back in the early 90s, and I, I still haven't been able to find it on YouTube, but he he was like, race, it, this is, again, this is in the early 90s. And he says, racism isn't born, it's taught. I have a two-year-old. You know what that two-year-old hates? Naps, end of list. And I was like, and, and, and I still remember laughing, but also like there's truth in that. Like when you're two years old, you don't, you don't hate anything except having to. I don't know write. about that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think there is a sense of other that is, is in your genetics. I really do think that. I think we're born to, to find people that are similar to us and get and trust them. Yeah, but I see that's the thing. I think that's put in us by other people that profit from the fact that we think that. And and it and and so my my point is when I talk about conversations is like the first thing is is think about what you're thinking. Why are you thinking it? What does it mean to you? Like w does it benefit you? Does it benefit mm -hmm. somebody else? Does this idea that you're holding on to actually potentially harm you while it's benefiting someone else? Like really chew on that. And, and, mm. and so, so when we talk about how you fix this it, through conversations, um, you know, Hey, I'm in Texas and, and I talk to, and when I say that, like, I, you know, I was just talking about F the billionaires, you know, five minutes ago, uh, clearly I, I'm not super, uh, so-called right-leaning on the spectrum, whatever it is, but I have lots of friends who I know are, and I have conversations with them. And one of the things that I make a point of doing is I don't get upset because that's not useful. 
Yeah, that's the key. Don't, and, don't take things also, personally. Don't get upset. Yeah. And also, gosh darn it, it is not about us getting it. The only person who benefits by me getting upset with a friend who I know who leans more conservative than I do is people in positions of power that exploit our division. Yeah. And I refuse to give that to them. I save my anger and my distrust for people in positions of power that use that to accumulate more power. And I've got no patience for it, uh, for people who do that, no matter what they claim their political persuasion is. Hmm. So there's, there's my, uh, 30 second round on that. Well, where, where do you fall on free will then? Are we, uh, are we just balls of, chemicals that are reacting because that's what the chemicals are because there is so much chemical stuff going on when you get on facebook and get that dopamine shot when you get a like or you get some comments you go if you go viral you know that's amazing or feels great or when you pour yourself a great whiskey and and what it does to your and that's the thing but but the thing is that excites me when you say you know where i but that's what these companies have done is they've They've, uh, I mean, they've, they, they, they've hijacked our internal chemical responses to stimuli. That's it. Yes. And it's like the, the crazier, the thing, the Whitesboro Baptist church post used to make me real mad. Well, done anymore. Cause I know what it's trying to do. I understand. Oh, that's what they want from. They want to rise. They want me to keyboard cowboy. These guys are horrible and awful and we should be whatever. I'm not going to, no, I don't sign up for that anymore. No, right. yeah, yeah, I don't want to exactly play. because what you're doing is you're being cognizant of, of what other people are trying to manipulate you into doing. And it requires in, in to be fair to most, when I say this, not to most, but it takes a lot of work to become that cognizant. And that aware, right? Yeah, like put it to, down for a little bit. Yeah. To to be At able least. to be able to see something that triggers an emotional response, and then also subsequently uh, take that emotional response and go, okay, why am I feeling this? Who does it benefit? Like, is the person who is triggering this emotional response doing so because yeah. they're trying to manipulate me into something, or are they trying to mani- it? And if they are manipulating, because hey, sometimes being manipulated is good. Sometimes they're trying to get you to acknowledge something that is a real issue, uh, but yeah, no, that that was my next point. Is what if I feel strongly about an issue and I need to get some support for it, but and I kind of know how to do that through faith. I know how to do the post that gets people to coalesce behind this important issue. Am I wrong for that, or am I just doing the the work of Facebook at that point? Well, and that's where you got to look in the mirror and be like, "Are my intentions pure? Am I doing this for good or for evil?" Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's it, it, like exactly. Hey, by the way, you're talking to the guy with the Superman tattoo. Like, this yeah. is where like all of this comes out of of the fictional stories. Like, what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Like, yeah, yeah. are you trying to inspire others, or are you trying to tear other people down? Are you trying to simply profit for yourself? Yeah. Like. Are you doing this with with good intent? Because good intent, you know, hey, the road to hell is paved right through with mm-hmm. good intentions, right? But like, if, if your intent is is in the right spot, 
the result may not be what you hoped it was, but at mm -hmm. the least you're trying to do something positive. But there's there's a lot of bad actors mm -hmm. in the world that are actively trying to make things worse. Yeah, and what freaks me out, not freaks me out, but this is what keeps me up at night. We have good intent right here, mm -hmm. me and you. We're, we, we're not gonna 100% agree on things, but that's fine. Right. And it's fine because man, we're sitting in air conditioning, we got whiskey, we're well fed. Take those things, take this building away and we're sitting out in 103 degrees and we haven't had food in a couple of days. We are completely different people. And as good as our, as good as our hearts are, you know, we're in somebody, you know, drops a, a stake on the ground over there. I might fight you for it. You know, it's like we are so close to total chaos and destruction like that's what keeps me up at night and you know what uh so so there's a couple angles of that uh that pop into my brain as you're as you're saying it uh there one uh i i don't think people give enough credit like uh there there's a lot of people that are on the verge of chaos every day in this country and they never cross that line do they though like I don't know, man. Glenn, you want to you want to hear my weird paranoia? Maybe not in this country, but you want to hear my weird paranoia? Yeah, what's your paranoia? Is <laughs> as he takes a sip. Um, but uh, Lay my, on me. my weird paranoia is every time these days I'm driving down a uh, a road with no dividing median, and every oncoming car that I see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's this part of me that goes, if that person decides in the next two seconds to turn their steering wheel to the left, yeah. I die. Yeah. And as a society, generally speaking, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't. But because, that's because we're all well-fed and we're sitting in AC and like society is basically in order right now. Right. But uh, well, okay. You're, you're, you're getting, but my point is, is like one of the reasons most of this works is because most people, the vast majority of people want to, to be healthy and happy and, and aren't, fo they're focused on their own happiness as opposed to inflicting pain on others. But over the course of all the people that have existed, we're at the top. We're all Jeff Bezos. Because we're riding around in cars with AC. To, like, roll it back 100 years. I oh, mean, yeah. on, on the Oregon Trail. I mean, <laughs> you know, people were dying left and right. People were getting, you know, hacked to bits by, by Indians and, and eaten and <laughs> burned alive and skinned alive uh, for fun, you know. Uh, we're... We are not that far removed from that. that You're correct. You know, and, and, and to kind of your point about like the, the, the thing that keeps me and my morals and ethics in check is not the other people steering into their, into the lane. It's me going, what if I caused the chaos? What if I just became the chaos maker? At least it would be on my terms. You know, I think about that. I'm the guy that's going to steer into your lane. So, well, trust me, I think about that sometimes too. And that's, but it's like, we don't do that as a society. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah. Like, we, and, yeah. and that's like, that's a credit to humanity. That's a credit to all of us. Well, it's a credit to technology and it's a credit to the people who built the AC <laughs> and who invented AC. 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about AC today. It could be because oh. it's 103 degrees outside. But but, al- but also people have actively, I, I've read people that have talked about arguably the downfall of of our society is central air. Like I, oh, where yeah. the fact that we're able to put anybody on the planet uh, and, and the, the amount of issues that creates uh, and also climate change and, and, and how that all connects. Like I've, I've read people try to like write essays explaining like, yeah, the downfall of human society is, is central air. Like, and, and I don't know I don't if know I entirely that, yeah. agree with them, but mm-hmm. they make, you know, good points about observing how we function as a society. Yeah. Like, we're just so, we're so comfortable though. I mean, that's what keeps it all in order. What, you know, we were talking about the supply chain breaking down and there was a week or so in there in March where weren't sure if the grocery stores were going to have food. Right. Yep. And all the preppers are going like, told you so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's, that's where my mind went was, man, when society really breaks down, it's when people get hungry and what, what if the food does run out? What if we can't, uh, what if it's every man for himself out here? What are we going to do? So, um, I've, I've, I've got, uh, cause Hey, FEMA has a major headquarters here in Denton and the, I've, I've got the, a couple friends that work over there. Oh man. And you've got a, and, you've got a hall pass into and, FEMA. I, I wouldn't say I have a hall pass, but I do have, I'm in giving my, you a call when it all breaks down there. In my closet, I might have some extra chef Boyardee. I'm outside. Uh, Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> and, but years ago, long before any of this broke out, like one of my good friends who, who travels, to disaster sites like when a hurricane hits yeah he's probably out there like working with the local authorities to coordinate relief efforts and uh but but years ago i talked to him about this exact thing like when society breaks down yeah we're 48 hours away from and and he said tim having anything more than five days worth is a waste of time because it's been smarter people than you and i have have examined what happens when you get to day five of complete societal breakdown and you want no parts of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't want to be is, a part of that. You're, you're, yeah, do you want to be alive there? Your yeah, canned not. ravioli is not going to get you through that moment. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, that's, okay. that's super dark. Uh, yeah. Can he come on the podcast? I'd like to talk with him. I can ask him, man, that, that would be fascinating. Okay. So I just poured this. This uh, is Evan Williams bottled in bond. I don't know what that means. I, I don't know exactly what it means either. What do you think of it? Have I tried it? Ooh, very honey. There's the Kentucky Chew. That's who are listening. <laughs> Ooh. That's a higher proof. You're into the higher proof yeah, I am. whiskeys. Man. Pandemics do that to you. That they do. <laughs> it is good. Okay, Ooh, so it's smooth. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not super biting. Uh, definitely tastes like whiskey. So mm-hmm. the reason I brought this one, it's very smooth for Evan Williams, though. I mean, the reason I brought this one, yeah, uh, which you can get this readily at Apple Jacks, your local liquor store here in downtown Denton. Yeah, great, great coming in. That's where that came from. And uh, so this Evan Williams bottled and bond. Uh, I have a friend who. Him and his wife love to collect whiskeys, right, and bourbons, uh, and they have bottles. The library, out, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and one night uh, we did a blind taste test, and we we did four whiskeys, bourbons, 
whichever. And uh, and this was one of the four. And we drank them. And this was the one we rated highest. And the other three were all very good. But this one, everybody was like, yep, this is the best. Huh. The fun thing about this one is that the other bottles we drank were, you know, expensive bottles, right? Yeah. Relatively speaking, right? Evan Williams, you can get a handle for 26 bucks. Man, that's affordable. Like, like the 750 milliliter bottle that's sitting in front of you, that's like a $13 bottle. That is like, good bang for the buck. For the price, yeah. this is the best bourbon I know of on the market right now. Speaking it's, of whiskey libraries, I'm backtracking. When you were in Oregon, Portland, mm-hmm. did you go to the uh, whiskey library? I did not get a chance to. Oh, man. Yeah, I was there for business, so. So, yeah, I, but but that's I wanted to bring the Evan Williams specifically yeah. because we've done really nice stuff uh, that's expensive, relatively speaking, and this is this is really nice and cheap. It is really, this is my go-to at night. Like, for bang for the buck, just out of the bottle? Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's that's you good. Pour that over the rocks, and yeah. and the taste okay. is phenomenal, and uh, huh. yeah. So there you go. There's my there's my bargain. Burp. Man, yeah, hundred. It's got a great nose to it too. Mm-hmm. Man, that is uh, that's punching above its weight for sure. That's good. Way above. All right. So, so anywho, man, that's delicious. Thanks for bringing these, man. This is so sure. much fun. I uh, agree. I enjoy this. This is time well spent. <laughs> so I'm getting y'all liquored up. I had my uh, run this morning. I got it out of the way. <laughs> And it sucked. It's so hot out there. It is. It's, it's brutal. It's awful. And also, the there's a little bit of uh, my body's still adjusting to the keto thing, I think. I'm kind of hitting a brick wall at a certain point. I'm like, that I haven't hit before in, in my training. So I'm training. So you inspired me. Let's roll it back. Last podcast, you really inspired me to just put my head down and, and train for something. So what I did was, uh, again, my, uh, COVID-19 and part of, well, first of all, <laughs> I did, I started doing, uh, a hundred pushups a day was my goal. So I'm doing a hundred pushups a day and I decided to train for a 10 K, which was like a, a 10 week plan or something like that on the Garmin did the Garmin plan, the coach mm-hmm. thing. It's awesome. Um, did a 10 K and, uh, did a under 10 minute miles for a 10 K. Nice. It was, yeah. It was awesome. Felt great about it. Felt super accomplished. Wasn't a race or anything. It was me just running through Southeast Denton and felt, I think I texted you that morning. I was like, dude, I just did this thing. Cause of you, thank you so much. Anyways. Uh, the second I did that, I was like, what's next? Doing the half marathon. I'm uh, eight weeks into 14 weeks of a half marathon training. Today was a tough day because it, the 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 workout was my goal pace for 45 minutes, which I set a a nine minute 45 second mile goal pace for a half marathon, which might be might be a little ambitious for me, but. It kicked my tail, um, but I did it. Um, but your run is tomorrow. I'm doing a run tomorrow. 
What is what is your run tomorrow? So tomorrow I have 15 miles on the schedule. Dang! 15? Yeah, I have I have I have a 20, Golly. I have 25k. I feel like such a weenie over here. I'm like, yeah. well, my six mile run was really hard this morning. <laughs> I, I've been doing this for 10, 11 years oh, consistently God. now. Uh, 15 because, miles. You know, you know what I did? You know what I did yesterday, Glenn? Uh, what'd you do yesterday? Yesterday I did. I uh, went up to Windstar. Yeah. And uh, stayed in the hotel overnight for the sole purpose of getting setting my alarm for four thirty in the morning. Yeah. To get up and run around Windstar and figure out what the distance was to run a full lap around Windstar. Uh, and I learned a few important things. Um, one. <laughs> Security frowns upon people running around Windstar. Turn, yes. Uh, so what are you doing? So at at, at about at, at about quarter to six, I was uh, I ran around the backside uh, without a problem. I mean, um, it's a big it's a big building, but it's smaller than you think. Is it? Yeah, I'm going to get to that. Okay. Uh, so I managed to do one. <laughs> I did one full lap around and went around the backside, but the entire time I was on the backside of Windstar, I was like. Get the feeling this is really weird right like but nobody stopped me some and i'm also not doing anything wrong i'm just jogging through walking through right uh and then uh and that's when i established that a lap around windstar shockingly is only about 1.75 miles huh. uh and when i say that it's when i say shockingly it's because um i've been running south lakes park on, on that side of denton all summer uh and there's a concrete trail there that is about 2.1 miles. And this is when I learned that Windstar could basically fit in South Lakes Park. Oh, that's weird. Who knew? Yeah, that's right? a weird thing to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems bigger than that. Exactly. Yes. Oh, weird. And uh, But hmm. on my second try, uh, the, the second try, I was trying to go around the backside at about 6.30 in the morning. And I guess they had a shift change because there's a security guy that came like, he had, there's like a booth on the south end of of Windstar, uh, and that it says security checkpoint, and as cars are coming in, and he's like, "Hey, hey, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, we're just out jogging." Like, and he's like, "You can't go back here; it's employees only." I'm like, "Oh, we were just running; like, we're staying at the hotel." He's like, "Yeah, you got to go back the other way." So, so I ended up doing ten and a half miles, like, but the first back and forth. Yeah, we were going back and forth from one end of Windstar on the front end to the other, and I did I did like ten and a half miles yesterday morning in front of Windstar. Oh my gosh! Wait, I, I should say the first, you know, two ish was doing a full lap around. But yeah, I learned I learned that uh, that was. <laughs> so why were you at Windstar? Just because I, I go up there often enough, they give me free rooms, oh, and, okay. and so I went up and yeah. and had dinner. Um, but honestly, I probably will not be back until next year because the place was a madhouse. Why uh, was it a madhouse? It just. Filled to the gills with people. Really? Uh, which I did not expect. Because people don't have anything to do. On a Tuesday night. On a Tuesday night. Like, and also you go through the casino and everybody has a mask on. Doesn't necessarily mean they have the mask on correctly. Yeah. And I was just like, no, this is way too much. Uh, and even though the interior Windstar is a big open space, like with high ceilings and ventilation, I was just like, no, I don't feel comfortable with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, that's the thing is I, I, I mean, I, a casino is just a big bar. Right. I uh, mean, but ooh. like some, some casinos are much 
more compact than what Windstar is. I haven't been to Windstar. Actually. You've never been up there? No, I've never okay. been up there. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't go up there soon. I've driven I'm, by it. Yeah. I've seen it. I know. It, the, the it in, seems so big, though. It seems mad. It's like the world's biggest casino. In square footage, it's, it's what the they world's say. biggest casino. Yes. That's why I was interested in running around it. Uh, and to see, because, okay, so here's the reason I wanted to do this is, so when the pandemic breaks out uh, and there is a guy, excuse me, um, hiccups. Uh, there's a guy who does, who arranges long distance races. Uh, and he does a, an endurance race in Tennessee every summer, uh, that usually gets 40 to 50 people. Everything gets canceled. What do you mean by endurance race? Endurance race is super long distances. Think yeah. Like a hundred K hundred miles, hundred miles. Think starting at a hundred miles. Right. Uh, and so everything that's a long way to go that involves more than 10 people gets canceled. And so what he does is he goes, okay, everything's canceled. We're going to do this virtual because virtual runs have been a thing for years where you, you know, you sign up and go, Hey, I'm going to run this distance and get a medal and whatnot. Um, but Hey, this year virtual runs became the only thing you can do. Yeah. Um, so what he does is he goes, I'm going to do a virtual race across Tennessee, uh, GVRAT, uh, the great virtual race across Tennessee, where it starts in uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. Yeah. And then literally runs around Goes over the bridge across yeah. the entire state up to Northeast Tennessee. Hmm. Well, this went viral in running community circles and an event that normally they get 50, 60 people. Yeah. They get over 19,000 signups. What? And so there's a how many of those people are going to survive though? Uh, well, here's the trick. So, do so you, do you have to qualify for something like this? Or again, this is a virtual run and prove the, you're not going to die. And the requirement, the requirement the is, yeah, I mean, you have to sign a waiver, obviously, but the requirement is that you run a thousand kilometers between May 1st and August 31st, uh, which is about 630 miles, give or take. Um, yeah, and, that's and a lot. Yeah. yeah, right. Uh, I have. As of today, like 101, 102 miles to go. Really? Um, yeah. So I've been doing this all. You're going to run across Tennessee? Like by the time this is done, I will have completed a virtual run across Tennessee. Across Tennessee. Yeah. And it, that's crazy. Dude, here's the crazy. The wait, crazy. You're not, wait, are you literally running across Tennessee? No, it's it's a virtual race. You're just racking up like, the, the miles. You rack up the miles and they have like a, a thing on Google uh, Maps where they charted out the the course, right? Oh. And every day you log your miles that you got in for that day. And there's a map that you can go see what town you're in. Right. And it's like, that's what all of these are. <laughs> right. And, but this one in particular, cause there's, there's like great race across Texas. Yeah. Uh, there, it, when this one went viral, suddenly everybody and their uncle was like, Hey, we should huh. do race across our state. Right. Yeah. But this was like the big one that everybody jumped in on. And dude, there were people that finished it in two and a half weeks. Yeah. And there, people are, crazy yes yeah, people are nuts like there's that. high-end yeah. runners that that yeah. are now on they their just go, fourth go, trip go, go. back and forth and because Whoa. that's all they do yeah right and they're like instagram influencers so this yeah. is how they're getting their uh because i don't know if you saw early in the when the pandemic was breaking out uh here in the states there was like a guy a marathon runner in italy that did a marathon on his balcony in his apartment which was him like running 150 feet back and forth for six and a half hours 
Oh, <laughs> like, because hey, that's what runners do. We're ridiculous, and that's that's okay. I wore the shirt, like the Bigfoot social distancing challenge. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the idea was, yeah, it's Bigfoot with a roll of toilet paper. That's awesome. And, and like, I went out, and this was back in May when I went out and did a marathon around town. I just started at the square and started doing three, four mile loops. <laughs> yeah. And so, like tomorrow morning, I because no one's going to hear this, so they can't stalk me. Uh, but tomorrow morning, you know, I'm getting together with some friends up on the square at five 30 in the morning and we're just going to start doing loops until we hit 15 miles and change tomorrow yeah. morning. And, and so like, that's, that's, that's what I do because <laughs> running that's that like the, the running community is it's, it's just what we do. Like, yeah, you know, it's how we stay sane. Cause normally there'd be events going off all over the place, right. Where we'd be going out to countrysides or whatever, like in this heat, there's not a lot. But it's so brutal. Like, uh, it's a safe bet Dallas Marathon isn't going to happen this year. Yeah, there's no way. And and it sucks, but it's uh, runners just, we we don't know how else to do anything but run. So, do you know Ken Curran? You know Ken. Greenhouse, Juicy Pig, Cafe Loco, Loco Cafe. Uh, Awesome guy, 88 Hill guy. So, he does the little mini triathlons that guy is a beast on the trail he's a runner he's a biker he can swim he, the guy's incredible but he's in my neighborhood and uh i knew we had bought the right house when we were we had pulled up and we were kind of checking it out when we had it in contract and uh this old guy comes running in the middle of the street down the road i'm like hey look out for this guy and i was like found a running buddy and i'm like is that ken that's Ken. Anyways, Ken's a big runner, but the triathlon people can't swim. There's no swimming. Right. So I texted him the other day. I'm like, how do you get your swimming in right now? Cause I kind of want to get into swimming stuff. And he's like, dude, I'm going to the lake tomorrow, four 30. Come, come with me. I'm like, that's amazing. Going up to Ray Roberts. Yeah. Just swimming the, in the lake. Man. Dude, that's one of the things that I have discovered. Thanks to all of this. Uh, cause if you're moving into idiots Hill, I'll do blah is 20 minutes from your house. Yeah. It's right there, man. And it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's freaking incredible. It's like I 10, had no 10 miles idea. or something. Yeah. It's right there. So I, uh, with my buddy, Dave Sims, we've gone through periods of like fishing every afternoon up there when the, when, when it's good. Uh, I used to sail up there like way back in the day. It's a heck of a lake Yeah, that not a lot of people go to. Everyone's down on Louisville. That's where all the traffic is. Yeah. But me and Alyssa a couple of weeks ago packed up and just went on the, uh, we went to the Johnson branch on the other side Mm -hmm. um, and sat on the beach and went swimming with the kiddo and it was awesome. It was really cool. Yeah. It was just last weekend. I was up at Isle Dubois and and went and did multiple laps around the concrete trail and got in six and a half miles and then went and jumped in the lake. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, I, I don't know if enough people know how, how close they are to yeah. the awesomeness that is Ray Roberts. Cause it's pretty freaking. It is. It is very awesome. Um, and they were doing the limited access. Like you had to pay in advance. Right. Yeah. Uh, only a certain number of people could get in. That's why we went to Johnson branch was because, uh, Alda ball was like packed, sold out. You He's know? booked. Yeah. Yeah. But we got up there and it was, man, there was like a couple of people there and it was awesome. That was so great. So I, you know, I haven't really gotten into the events for running that, and I don't know if I'd be into it, but the thing I love about running is it's me and my headphones and 
uh, on the trail and me just, it's me against me, which is really hard. It turns out it it's is. a lot easier when it's you against the other guy. If I got a schlep, I got to beat and I beat him. I'm good. Beating yourself is so hard when, if, when you're out there and you can stop at any time and no one's going to say anything, that's an easy time to toss in the towel. So I like, I like that mental part of it. That's just like, I can't go any further. Well, guess what? You're going to go further, get to that, you know, <laughs> I like that part of it. Yeah. And, and, and I would encourage you, uh, at some point, uh, when, when events come back to, to go do one. Yeah. Um, because it, it was, uh, well, keep me informed of them. Let me know yeah. if there's one that that's kind of cool that I should do. Um, the, uh, I should do Cause it. there is, I want to get up to the, the, uh, you know, I got at the end of September, I'm going to run my half. Uh, and then after that, it's like, man, just going to keep going, going to train for the, the full, so keep me posted. Yeah. And, and, and I will. And it's, it's just a matter of, and when I say this is like, uh, the community aspect that happens at the big events, uh, it, it's, it's hard to explain unless you've been there. Yeah. Um, well, I can imagine the community aspect that happened when I did my little solo 10 K and I texted like the five people I knew that kind of inspired me to do it. You know, that there's a, there's a circle of, I mean, if I know five people that are into it, it's, I mean, imagine there's a community of folks. What's the Wednesday night run like right now? Uh, it basically doesn't exist. Um, but it I see people out there running, right? There's the Wednesday night run right now is, uh, there's a few of us, uh, cause I'm a morning runner. So you actually usually don't do the Wednesday night thing. Uh, but, um, like you have to be in this heat, you, you, right? Yeah. God, it's 103 you, right now. And the sun's down. I bet you have to be running at 5am. Um, yeah. but there's, there's, there's a group of people that we, we get together, uh, in the parking lot across from Oak street and everybody's spread out and it's like, show up when, if you want and go run a few miles and then come back and we'll hang out and have a drink afterwards. Yeah. Um, that's really what it is. But like when I'm talking about events, uh, when are events going to come back? Probably next summer, yeah. like at the earliest. Um, but I, I, the point I was wanted to make was I, I did my first marathon attempt was back in eleven, uh, and I did not. The thing is, is I hurt my leg, and I ended up uh, downgrading from the full to the half, uh, and. I, uh, when I did that race, one of the things about the crowd of people was it's like, I don't know any of these people, but I know them. And when I say that is it's like the amount of running and the amount of preparation it takes to feel like you're even kind of able to get in those corrals mm -hmm. and do that run. Like every single person you see around you, like you don't know who they are but you know what they've been through in order to get to that point. And there's this really, you've connected. Yeah. You can, there's, there's this strong vibe that, that's indescribable and it's awesome. It's wonderful. And like, that's, it's like, ev because everybody that looks at you knows you've put in the work too. Otherwise you wouldn't be standing there. Right. Uh, hmm. 
and and because uh, there's also a huge amount of like what if i screw this up and that everybody has and when when it's all of us in the corrals together we're like guess what that doesn't matter because we're here yeah we 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 got ourselves to this point yeah. that in fact the the event is is it's like the the coda like, yeah it's a cherry on top yeah, yeah right yeah, <laughs> like you got it, here and the, you're, you're the real effort out, yeah. was in was in the time i spent alone the journey building myself up to this point and then yeah. uh yeah it's it's wonderful like i i that's that's one of the reasons like the running club here in denton is a thing like uh you know there's a group of people that uh, several of them i don't know super well personally but i know them right and and some there the, the idea is is that we you know, just by coincidence, like the way things play out, like you end up with this community of people that, that connect through a very uh, specific endeavor yeah. and it, it goes a long way. It's, and it's a great way to stay healthy during a pandemic. I mean, just the fact that, uh, the, the folks that have a hard time with this thing apparently are people who are sedentary. Uh, I mean, the, being healthy right now is crucial for people that are our age. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I'm borderline. Um, I could go at any minute. I feel that's what <laughs> Alyssa tells me because she's younger than I am. But, but that, also this that, is where I was having, I was having a conversation just the other day on Facebook, uh, with, with some friends where we were talking about hobbies and, uh, and you know, what I do is, is all kids stuff, comics, toys, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, man, am I glad I never abandoned that stuff uh, in spite of people telling me I needed to and I needed to grow up because uh, mm-hmm. I got plenty to do. I, <laughs> like I, I can hop online and play games at night. Uh, like I've got plenty to read. I don't have enough hours in the day. The funny part about how all this has played out is when it first started, uh, the joke was, wait, so you're saying I have to stay home uh, yeah by myself all day <laughs> i felt that way too I, i've been I was like oh no this is this is what i've been preparing my entire <laughs> yeah. life for i'm yeah. i'm gonna get so much time in on super mario yeah. brothers and you know how much time i've gotten in on super mario brothers glenn how much like almost zero what because oh, because my work so many other th- oh yeah my yeah. workload went through the roof yeah. uh and and i'm not complaining it's just the 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 uh adjusting to the new paradigm um and and launching online store sales that I hadn't been doing before and trying to navigate all of this. Um, And and when I say that, it's not just me. Every friend I have in this industry, everybody's like, God, I'm working more than I have in 15 years and I'm making 20% of the money. And But every single person I talk to also understands that it's like, yeah, when things get rough, this is exactly how it goes. Right. This is... And, and so when things get smooth again, guess what? I like, I, I'm a knife that has been sharpened on the whetstone of the pandemic. Yeah. Like when things get calm again, like it'll be smooth sailing. I'll have this. It's the 80, 20 rule. It all goes back to that. Yeah. That's when I, that's what I keep telling people is like, if you can weather the storm, if you're, if you don't go to zero, then you're good. And the, the other thing that I've seen happen is the folks that did really well, that are doing really well in the pandemic are doing super well. The people who are bad or borderline are doing really, really bad. I mean, those are the people that are going to be getting evicted and have zero coming in and, you know, uh, yeah, it's scary like that. But, but yeah, the pandemic has been such a, 
thing. It's been such a thing. It's affected everything. Every single aspect of life, top to bottom, from hobbies to work. Uh, it, man, who would have thought? No but one could have predicted this. That's not true. No one could have predicted this. Can you push that? But there we go. When I, when I when I say no one could have when you say no one could have predicted this no actually there was there was very smart people that predicted something like this exactly happening yeah they did and uh, uh, and they they, a, they they wrote a whole book and war gamed it out and uh, tried to pass it on to the incoming and uh, did administration I, did I mention I I'm pretty sure on the last uh. time we we talked I talked about Michael Lewis's book The Fifth Risk. Um, <laughs> that could have been part four. I don't, I <laughs> it was only a three-part podcast. I know. Where, where Michael Lewis specifically talked about like how uh, having people who didn't know what they were doing in charge of important positions uh, was, was what. Because there's... Yeah, this is what happened in Russia. Yeah, it, it, like where you put... This is the fall of a communism. They is is... Like any Yahoo who signed up for the party line became director of whatever for the. And yeah. meanwhile, the 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 this professionals is who's, who, right, yeah. who know what they're doing are sitting there going, uh, "I I know this is not accurate," and but nobody's listening to me. Like yeah. it, when I talk about this is why uh, when people talk about well, why should I listen to this professional? And it's like you know what? There's very good professionals that work in government, and there's very good professionals that work in all sorts of businesses, like. The joke I've been making for the last six weeks is like in my business specifically is that one of the reasons I'm very inclined to trust people who are career professionals and what they do is because I've been doing what I do now for close to 20 years. And let me tell you, in my business, because it's very uh, open to the public, the, 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 the guts of it are, are relatively easily accessible. I get people every day that are like, hey, you should do this instead of this thing that you're doing because a store that I like to go to used to do this. And I'm like, but that store is closed. And they're like, yeah, but you should still do this thing. And it's like, (laughs) and it's like, okay, I hear, I hear what you're saying. They're closed, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And and so it's like, I I trust my, so when people are trying to be like, you should ignore, uh, everything that you think you know and listen to me like I'm like I've been putting a lot of work into understanding what I do I'm, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and go with my gut and this is like trusting professionals in other fields like I want I tend to lean towards trusting people who have been doing things for their entire life when they give me insight and input and advice yeah because they probably know what they're talking about yeah, and the only the only structures that want you to ignore the experts or want to put a face of success on complete failure, that is a ter- tyrannical regime. Yes. Yeah, that is tyranny. That is the definition of tyranny. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not trying to be cartoonish about it. No, but that's what it is. When people tell you that something is happening that is obviously not and, and compels you to agree with them, that is tyranny. So I don't want to go down that road. And that's what disturbs me most about what we're supposed to be saying as a society about what's happening. That um, 
this is just the way it is. It is what it is. We There's nothing we could have done. There's nothing we could have done. I'm like, really? Every other country has figured out how to open schools but us. Every country with any amount of money in their pockets. And we're we're the best country in the world and we have and we're suffering in this way it's ridiculous but it's like yeah they're the big lies what that you can't in the safety of your own home with ac and food on the table you can't imagine being the type of person that would tell the big lies but all those big lies started with tiny 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 lies mm-hmm. tiny lies that were fibbing here and there uh, we're trying to put on a, a good, you know, a good image, you know, don't rock the boat. Don't, don't, don't say the emperor has, you know, no clothes on. Um, that's why it's so crucial for, for us as a society to, to, to be honest and tell the truth and trust the experts that don't have a, they don't have a dog in, in this hunt except to do good science, maybe, or to be a good uh, comic book store owner. You know, it's like that's what people do. Tr- you know, trust those people to do their jobs, and, and that's it. There, there's no game here. You know, right. uh, man, it's. Ugh. I have a very cynical view of society right now, obviously. And it really, it's just that I've been thinking about it a lot. Like you said. This pandemic has pulled off the covers from all sorts of things. It's exposed everything that is wrong and fragile and broken in our world, you know. And, you know, I don't know how we get out of it. I know we do. I know that, uh, you know, the same kid that was sitting there watching uh, the, the towers crash <laughs> to the ground, you know, on September 11th. We, we made it out of that. We made it out of that whole thing. Um, you know, we'll make it out of this, uh, but with what intact, you know, like what sort of society are we going to be? Um, you know, that's what I'm focused on. Yeah. The fifth risk looks awesome. Oh, you just looked uh, it yeah, up. Yeah. I need to check it out. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, possible. I mean, I mean it's uh, Michael Lewis. Possible Netflix series. Oh, really? On the U S government. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's Michael Lewis. It's Mike, Michael Lewis is is such a fantastic writer. Is he? Um, I, I don't know anything about him. Dude, Moneyball. And check him out. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. This guy who wrote Moneyball. And right? The Blind Side, yeah, yeah. yeah. And know. and what he does, he takes very deep, complicated topics and knows how to. Because as much as I like Fifth Risk, as much as I like Moneyball, because uh, Moneyball was a fin, fin, fantastic, sorry, speaking words is hard. Yeah, uh, uh, dig into the the psyche of Billy Bean. Um, my favorite Michael Lewis book is a book called Flash Boys, hmm. um, where he he delves into the world of high frequency trading, and and manages to make high frequency trading uh, digestible. Hmm. Uh, and it's because it's a book that I read and I put it down and I just wanted to set the world on fire because I'm like, Oh my God, the yeah. stock market is a joke. Yeah. Like oh, it is. It's, but I could have told you that it's, it's, you're right. When I went <laughs> before I read that book, I was like, the stock market is ridiculous and a joke. When I read, because high frequency trading is a term I've heard thrown around. But when I read flash boys and I really understood what was going on in, in high frequency trading markets, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is worse than I could have possibly imagined. Because it like one of the things that Flash Boys gets into 
is basically companies uh, are front running trades, which used to be illegal. Um, but the way they do it is by literally spending tens of millions of dollars to move a server, uh, a computer server, a hundred feet across a warehouse so that they can see trades that are being put in yeah. and then go out and buy stock. Like somebody wants to buy Apple at a hundred and the way these computers were set up is they would see Apple at 98 and they would go buy, they would see that request, that buy request come in and then they would see a sell at 98 and they go buy at 98 and then flip it to the mm -hmm. person who wanted to buy at 100. Yeah, it's arbitrage. And, yeah. but, but like this is working in picoseconds. Yeah. And the only reason it's working is because, and there's, there's like a, an anecdote in that book about uh, one company that put servers in a warehouse in Jersey to front run the Dow Jones Industrial Average, where in order to keep competitors from trying to move their servers around, they literally mm -hmm. put, uh, signs on the servers that said uh, Toys R Us uh, payroll right on the side of the server <laughs> so that people, that's hilarious so that people, well, yeah back back in the day it was like the trains if you could be faster than right. a train right then you could make some serious money you yeah. know and now it's but it's working in picoseconds and it but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't serve any actual functionality <clears throat> anyway Michael Lewis is incredible. Fifth Risk is a great book. So I just um, wrapped up some great books. If you need some uh, fiction thriller stuff. <laughs> uh, Jack Carr. Are you familiar with him? Name rings a bell. Ex-Navy SEAL writes like these awesome. Oh, yeah. Dude, it is like the first book uh, is called Terminal List. And it's his revenge uh, for his uh, platoon that got blown up and he doesn't know why he was the only survivor, but he figures it out. It's this big conspiracy and he goes down the list just like surgically, like Navy SEAL, like killing these people and gets run out of the country, basically. Um, it is awesome escapism. It is fantastic and I love it. I love everything about it. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to check out some Michael Lewis books, man. Yeah, I never read Moneyball. Great book. Also, The Big Short. Um, uh, awesome. The Big Short is, Such is one of the movie. most important books I've ever read. Oh, um, it's a book. I need to read the book. Uh, yeah. Yes, I would recommend it. That um, book is so applicable right now because um, we're like, what what bubble are we on right now? What Where's the domino going to fall here and how do I make money off of it? Like when I read The Big Short, I, I thought I had a good understanding of what led to the 2008 meltdown. Yeah. Um, and like I, I, cause I'm a news hound. And when I read that book, my mind was completely blown. Um, and the movie, I watched the movie after I read the book. Um, and the movie is good, but the problem with the movie is that it speeds through some really important things because mm. it's not a book. It's a movie. It has to speed through. Simplified. Right? Yeah. But no, that's would, what's good. About I wouldn't even say simplified. Oh, okay. It's that not these simplified. concepts are kind of complicated. And when you're reading, you're, you're processing it at a pace that your brain can handle. Whereas when you're watching a movie, the movie doesn't slow down for you. The mm. movie keeps running through these ideas and, and trying to explain, um, like understanding exactly what, 
uh, a synthetic, uh, darn it, uh, what's the term? Um, uh, uh, darn it, uh, a synthetic CDO, a synthetic mm -hmm. collateralized debt obligation. Like understanding that term and what it was and why it was catastrophically bad. Like they mention it in the movie, but it's 60 seconds in a two hour movie. Oh yeah. Those little montage of explaining yeah, the little and, things. Yeah. And, and so it can just zip right by your brain so fast you don't mm -hmm. even grasp it. But when you're reading the book and they go into detail, uh, it, it allows you to process it better. Um, so hell of a cast, Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. I mean, yeah. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. And, and like Great Brad movie. Pitt's character in that movie was, and, and also by the way, the book, have you seen the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Amazing. so the book, they softened up and changed some things. So Steve Carell's character in the, yeah. in the movie, it's kind like, of like a post office uh steve carell well, you know <laughs> but he he has i'm trying to remember what they did in the movie uh because the point is is that guy uh was a very uh optimistic slash he they in the book they describe him as as a person who had a, a good outlook on life um and in the movie they talk about i want to say it was his brother dying like in a car accident that turned him to get cynical and dark right huh. uh in real life what happened is that that person uh, had he was married, had a a baby, and while he was working, the house sitter took a nap with the baby, and the house sitter rolled over and smothered the baby, and and they talk about in the book how that changed his like that event made him much darker and more cynical as a human being in general which led him to being so much more critical, which is why, like, and, and they express this in the movie, where, like, even though he had figured out the system and he had front-run it to make a lot of money for him and his friends because he saw the crash coming, uh, he did not feel good about it. He felt terrible about mm -hmm. it. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a great book. I, God, I, I think that's my next book. Yeah. I, so how do you see, like... The current state of the uh, everything, and <laughs> and I kind of think sitting here thinking talking with you about everything is helping me kind of unpack a, a bunch of stuff in my head. I think we're going to be in a state of flux from now until November. Oh yeah, absolutely. No one's gonna say anything is a certain way until we know what direction <laughs> this country is going to go. Are we going deeper into this? Are we keeping America great? Or we uh, go in a different direction. <laughs> you well, like you, you say that, but at the same time, I'm sitting here going, "We've we've not known for 20 years, um, and and for better or for ill, uh, like it, it, there's there's no 100 percent guarantees either way, and it's it's a matter of finding your own space in the world. Um, it's yeah. a matter of either way, like however it turns out. It's like you you got to take care of what's in front of you. That's kind of what you're saying. But but also, I, I don't think just take care. What are you going to do to make the world better in front of you? Yeah. What what are you, and I don't mean you, Glenn, but I mean, when, when there's a reason I'm a Superman fan, right? Like I am, I, I am in, in, I believe in people and the genuine, the fact that people want the world to be a better place and, and I will not let go of that. 
Yeah. I, 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 so, so where do things go? I don't, I don't know, man. I think, I think this is where we're going to diverge as well. I think that people, you, that, that, that's a very Rousseauian, uh, point of view. I think, I think like given a takeaway society, corrupting people, people are, are generally going to do good. Is that kind of where you're coming from? Or, well, I like, think, I think people want the best thing to happen, but, but I also don't think that like people, again, like I said earlier, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like, but we, we don't make the world a better place by, by judging others harshly for their choices. Like yeah, yeah. we, we, no, we make it that. better by listening to them and working on, okay. Like, and, and having honest conversations about mm -hmm. like, okay, dude, sometimes this is where you're effing up. Right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but the key is to not like attack them. Right. And be like, you're an idiot or, or whatever. Like you're awful. You're evil. No, like, yeah. look, I, and this is where I've, you know, reading Zen, like thoughts and people are different. Like your thoughts are not who you are. Your thoughts are a thing that's separate from the individual. Yeah. And and so when yeah. when I when I talk to people I disagree with, I, I make a point of being like, look, I'm not attacking you in any way, shape, or form. I'm talking about like why that idea that you have might be a problem for other people. Like, and let's talk about that. Uh, and it's work. <laughs> right. So I've, the other thing that has come about from the pandemic, I've really been, uh, spending time on meditation, been meditating. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that is connected with me is that like, as these sounds come and go and are they're there, but then they're gone, but they happen, you know, they happen. So are like these emotions and so are these ideas. And so are the, I mean, everything is here and then gone. It's just a little stimulus. It's how you react to it and how you uh, dwell on it or how you make that build and how, and you know, I, um, you know, I get super frustrated and bent out of shape and kind of, you know, in my head about things. Uh, and that that's kind of, how I'm practicing meditation is like, well, how do, how do I react properly to those frustrations of the coming in from the stimulus? Um, and that really connected with me. And that's kind of what you're saying is like, Hey, you have an idea. I don't agree with it. It may make me irate, but it's also, Hey, let's give it some validity, but also um, treat it like a sound, like it's here and it can be gone. And it's how we react to it. That makes society better because i think we do have common ground as far as you know everything we're trying to do in life we're trying to reduce the human suffering that is like natural among society if just left to chaos and absurdity you know because things can go south real quick and it's up to the people uh it's up to the people who want to do good for their community to keep things in order and, and radiate that sort of idea to keep things calm and civil. And, you know, we're not hitting each other with sticks. You know, we both want that for the world. Right. But also remember life is suffering. Yeah. Life is suffering. Yeah. Life is, 
you're born to suffer and die. So, and and when I say when, I, but that's one of the things is like I've I've learned uh, over the years, uh, like life is suffering is not a bad thing. No, like that, it's that, it's that's it what is. makes you strive for something better is like suffering. Yeah, but but but, but also, that goes back to running too, right? Do you like loop that into like? That's it's, how it's, you do better at running is you suffer. You you have to suffer. It's it's acknowledging what is and yeah. and being like this is okay. Yeah, like there's there's nothing wrong with this. And so that th- th- and that's one of the things that I love about running is because the more that I suffer, the closer I get to being better at what I want to do. Like the tougher I become, I love it. It's yeah. like yeah. It's like put me out there in the hundred degree heat. Like, yeah, let's 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 roast. Yep. And I'm that much closer to getting tougher. Yeah. So. So one one thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you have a no 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 no? You go. Yeah. So you before we started, uh, and we talked about this last time uh, that we <laughs> talked. Uh, that you texted me that we had to make sure we addressed. That's what I was going to say. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Like, yeah, I'll let you start. So since we've talked, yes, you've seen the Joker, mm-hmm. and you indicated that everything you said that you were against the Joker has uh, is true. Hang on, I got to pour more whiskey. For this. <laughs> uh, and I've I already have a rebuttal to you. Um, uh, so I guess so the Joker, I saw it and you hadn't and we talked about it. I, I kinda loved it and I'm not a comic book person, but I thought it was a really good movie. It had I, I had an emotional response to it. I think it'll go down in history as a really good movie. Um the, 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 there were a couple of sur- of absurdities that I think I can point out now kind of stepping back from it and thinking about it that I'm like, "Eh, I don't know, maybe it was redemptive. Um, But I want to hear your review after watching the Joker and being a fan of, and knowing a ton about the whole world of the Joker, where he comes from, all this, the canon of the Joker, you're, you're deep in it. But from what I can tell, you're not a fan of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. <laughs> okay. So the first thing I have to, to say is that uh, I will, my criticisms of it, I can set aside everything about the movie that has to do with anything resembling DC continuity, Batman, the Joker, right? All of that. I'm going to push that all aside. I don't care. You're okay with it. It's trash. Okay. It's bad, but that's not my problem with the movie. Okay. <laughs> because, because here, here's the one thing that I will, that I will bring up very specifically in that regard is, is the portrayal of Thomas Wayne is just like, who thought this was a good idea? And this is when we were talking earlier about Warner brothers, AT&T and DC, like, one of the problems that DC is having is their stewardship of their properties uh, versus what Marvel has been doing. Like they have shown no stewardship over what is being produced. They're just putting out stuff without thinking about how it impacts, like how it portrays, right? 
Thomas Wayne, as portrayed in Joker, uh, is just a raging a-hole. All right? He's never been portrayed that way in the comics. I gotta stop. Hang on. You gotta close this loop. I'll let you finish, but you gotta close this. I will. You just said, throw away the whole canon. Throw the, like, take all that off the table. But now you're focusing on yes, like I'm taking I'm taking okay. 30 seconds. Close right? close the loop. I, I said I don't care, <laughs> but if you want if you want to know my biggest complaint about how it interacts, it's not about like a continuity thing or some kind of it's it's, not it's, a, it's about the characters being the ideas that they are from the original story. But then you you just connected it back to the continuity though. No, you said the continuity doesn't matter and then you're What I'm saying is what I'm saying is I'm Thomas Wayne like Batman doesn't Thomas Wayne is, has never, okay, the only time he's ever been portrayed as the jerk that he is in that movie is in alternate universe stories, right? Core Batman stories that are considered, you know, like actual, like the real Batman stories. Like Thomas Wayne is, you know, the benevolent billionaire. And you can, you can argue whether or not the benevolent billionaire can even be a thing. But the point is, is Bruce Wayne doesn't become someone trying to do the right thing without the influence of his father in the first place. If his father is a raging jerk from the start, uh, then why does Bruce Wayne ever try to do the right I thing? I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So all that said, it's, it's not a good movie. Uh, it looks gorgeous. It looks incredible. And it's I, Joaquin Phoenix, man. Doing Joaquin it. Phoenix is incredible. Yeah, yeah, the awesome. actors are all incredible, top to bottom. That's I thought I thought Joaquin like, but here's the thing. Joaquin Phoenix is doing this incredible work on a, a role that there is almost no meat to. Um and and when I say that there there's so little there that's going on. Um and when I watched the movie, I was like it's it's cringeworthy repeatedly. Uh, it's it's just I can't believe Warner Brothers let this get made with one of their major franchise properties. Uh, but you're still tying it to the canon, right there. No, I'm not. I'm it's, not tying it. When I say that is because when I, when I'm saying like they Warner Brothers should have more stewardship over these properties and what they represent. Hmm. And that movie, so. It so, so I, l l let me see if I can clarify it. You're saying that the archetypes of the major characters are a, a major shift, a major break from the archetype of their characters. In the case of Thomas Wayne, yes. And in okay, the case of, Wayne, okay. of, of Man of Steel, yes. But what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about is like, if you want to fiddle with the origins of the Joker, sure, go ahead. Doesn't matter, right? But especially in... 20 god what year did that movie come out how long ago was it that <laughs> was it just last year <laughs> yeah right oh my uh I, I made the joke to one of my one of my employees today uh i i said hey do you remember when like the biggest headline in the country was that you couldn't get a popeye's chicken sandwich uh god that feels like 10 years ago now or do you remember when australia was burning yeah right that was the beginning of the year yeah. that was january that felt like about 10 years ago um, yeah the so, joker was uh when did it come out was it was it 2019? Yeah. Okay. So the problems with it are that one um, at the big, the full, the full on biggest problem is it scapegoat, it scapegoats mental illness. 
in in a completely deplorable fashion. Um, and when I, it doesn't just scapegoat mm. Joker's mental illness, it scapegoats. It's not only it's not only scapegoating mental illness. It's also being misogynistic because his mental illness isn't his fault. His mental illness is the fault of his mother, who is mentally incapacitated. I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? So you're you're doing this story that is that is saying like the only way someone could turn into a a guy who goes on television and shoots Robert De Niro in the face. Spoiler: Don't watch the movie anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is if he's mentally ill and the only reason he's mentally ill is because his mother was mentally ill first and she inflicted it on him like it that's that's so hideous okay from from this the start and when i when i watched it i i there was multiple moments where i was just like you i can't believe this movie is being made and and i said to one of the people uh, that work for me, I was talking to them and I said, uh, like, Hey, you know, I thought this movie was not good. And they're like, Oh, it's one of my favorite movies ever. I'm like, wait, what? Okay. So this employee I was talking to is younger. And, uh, and one of the things I've learned over the years about connecting people with stories that they'll enjoy is to be like, okay, what did you like about this? Right. If somebody comes in and they tell me they really liked this thing that I'm not a fan of, uh, I can go, okay, what did you like about it? Like, regardless of whether or not I'm not a fan, like, what did you enjoy? Tell me about that so I can connect you to other stories. And he brought up that he really liked its depiction of mental health issues and, and mental illness. And I was like, okay, that's a completely valid reason, actually, to, to like this movie and to appreciate it. But have you seen Falling Down? Oh yeah, yeah. It was and very goes, similar to Falling Down. And and he Which goes, is a great movie though. Right. Falling Down's amazing. And he goes, No, what's that? And when I showed him the trailer, yeah. uh, he immediately goes, Oh, because in the trailer they have the the famous McDonald's fast food restaurant scene in the trailer. He's like, Oh, I've seen that scene. I'm like, go watch the whole movie. Because what Falling Down does is it does a basically the same storyline with with much more empathy for the main character like and giving him an actual motivation instead of just being like insane and broken right uh but also like this is part of the problem with joker is that there's nothing new here like joker has it brings nothing new to the table if you've watched taxi driver if you've watched fight club if you've watched falling down there is nothing new that joker is bringing to the table yeah but it's i mean the nothing new part is just it's dark right it's got a dark you're saying taxi a, driver was a light happy affair no i'm saying that's what i'm saying is like <laughs> there's nothing new in the fact that like the tax the taxi driver was like oh that's that's dark that's new we've seen dark before this is just a dark movie. You know? Right. And, and that's fine. Yeah. You're, you're allowed to be a dark movie. But like if you're going to just rehash these ideas, what are you bringing fresh to the table? Well, but here's my other thing. Well, like, there's nothing. Here's my there's other. Nothing, there are no new thoughts, Tim. I mean, we, we no, that's not true. This. There is in, in a society that's evolving <clears throat> as rapidly because you cannot say there is no new ideas when you sit down and have you watched the Watchmen TV series since we last talked? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. And yeah. it brings a whole pile of new ideas yeah, yeah. to the table. No, that's right. True. Yeah. 
and and the but other o- but over the same archetypes though it's like same yes. archetypes but a fresh angle that is uh a very energized i mean it's exciting to to uncover things we already know about the way the world works in these new nuanced characters though is that's what the watchman is i mean that's what makes it so good and i actually i've got an argument with you about his relationship with his mother because i saw that not as i mean that is how that works that this is like freud carl jung uh this is the what's it called the oedipus complex of you do have a relationship with your mother that can be so damaging that it does damage the way you process the world and, mm-hmm. and relate to others. And w- whether you escape the, the, the tyranny of your mother and like, w- which is what that is, that, th- that is, um, I mean, that is what she was doing was keeping him inside the nest. Like, I'll give you whatever, like you have a plate, you have everything as long as you don't leave, you know, that is a scary, dark thing that she did that did affect him that it wasn't it wasn't like i built him you know it wasn't just mental illness by proxy it was uh the evil i mean i saw his mother as an evil part of the story that transferred her evilness by how she treated her son like yes there there is a transfer of something bad there i saw it as very terrifying and real actually so Okay, so, so <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong when I say this, but you, I need you to give me some space here. Yeah, let me. Yeah, let me go back and watch it though. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but that's my feelings. Give Give me some space in responding to that because it's gonna get it's gonna get a little. Uh, it's gonna sound off the path for a second here. No, I'm into it. Yeah, come at me. So, because one of the things uh, I have uh, as someone who who consumes art basically as my profession. Um, and, and when I say consumes art, like I love art. Uh, I, I think it's super important. I, but one of the things that's hard to grasp uh, and take some real work is that art does not just appear out of the ether. It is generated by specific effort of human beings who create it. All right? Yeah. And when I say that... The moment where I I remember lying in bed watching Joker and I sat up and I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) Was was, uh, when he is doing the famous stare scene, which is his big coming out moment. Yeah, that was highly annoying to me as well. It wasn't annoying. Yeah. Like, do you remember the song that was playing when he came down the stairs? There were so many memes with other songs that I don't remember the actual song. The, the song that was playing in the movie was Rock and Roll Part 2. Okay? As he's coming down the stairs. And this is Joker's big coming out moment. Like, this is where I am now hit my pinnacle of anti-hero. Rock and Roll Part 2, for anybody who's not looking it up on their computer like Glenn is right now. Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter na 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 hey na 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 gary glitter is an infamous pedophile so you're gonna have and 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 when i talk about art not just appearing out of the aether in order for this to happen you had to have a director 
and you had to have uh. writers and you had to have an actor and you also had to have an army of lawyers because Gary Glitter absolutely got paid money. You don't use a song in a movie without the creator being paid, right? So there was a whole line of people that signed off on having the big coming out moment of Joker being right. Hey, I just saw Glenn's eyes light up. The big coming out <laughs> moment of Joker in this movie being to the tune of a song that is done by an infamous pedophile. And there's a reason it doesn't get played in sports arenas anymore. Because one day everybody woke up and said, holy crap, Gary Glitter is, a, is evil, right? And this is the song you choose to represent the moment of celebration of the main character of your movie coming out and identifying himself. Like, that's such a absurd failure of on so many levels. I can't even begin to describe it. I was like, you got to, this be is crazy. You're exactly right. The, <laughs> so there's like, a, there's a LA times article about, uh, this exactly. I did not know this. Tim. Yeah, well, but, and here's, here's the thing, Glenn, oh my goodness. it's, it's not your job to know that, but you know what yeah. it is the job of? It's the job of the people who put it in there. Right. But, but, it, yeah. None of this gets in there without literally an army of lawyers that greenlight this whole thing and then subsequently pay for it. Yeah. So that's so, a real specific job, actually. It's called music supervisor. It, it, it was actually one of my weird, awkward dream jobs way back in the day. I loved connecting music with film back in the day. It's called music supervisor. That guy's name is Randall Poster. Uh, who did not respond to comments <laughs> about this. But yeah, Gary Glitter is in jail. Yes. Serving a 16-year prison term for sexual crimes against minors. Yes. And this uh, is this is the song. Why? Well, Todd they, Phillips, what are you doing? Why? And Todd Phillips really is, he's the guy that makes the call on this. Yes. Why did we do this? Goodness. Did they just put money in this guy's pocket for so, so what my, reason? So when I talk about like Pick how any this, song you could have picked, I could there's like eight Beatles songs that would have been fine. Right. Know? Yes. Like so when I when I talk about music it, like art, you know, is is a it doesn't just appear out of the aether. It's a uh. it's a thing that is for lack of a better term, manufactured, right? Uh, it, the fact that they, that an army of people chose, excuse me, that song in that moment is absurd. It, it's, and, and I just. So they think he was paid between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars just to put that song in there. Right. Because that's how these and things. He, yeah. That is crazy. There are many, many songs you could have put there. Mm -hmm. The internet proved it with the memes. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And and they greenlit this, and it's it's such a hmm. so so my complaints when when I talk about yeah. so so when I'm talking about like it doesn't because you talked about his mom and yeah. all that and and the points for Tim the, for that song though. the yeah, comment absolutely. I made to uh, one of my employees like two days after watching this movie I was like are you kidding me the insane mother who makes her child 
absolutely insane and a murderous. I thought this was a trope that we abandoned with Rosemary's Baby in the 70s. Like, we've done this before. No, but it's, like, a, it's what, a real archetype, though. It absolutely yeah. is it a real really archetype. Is, yeah. But Joker doesn't bring anything new to the table. And it's 2019. You don't mm. get to rest on... on mixing up taxi driver with rosemary's baby with falling down with the mm. omen and then go hey look here's a movie like it's 2019 come up with a new concept the new concept is put walking phoenix in and it's awesome <laughs> well, but, but, so, so there you go there's my there's why, okay why, yeah no and, that's a good argument though I'll, I'll i mean i'll take it man uh that that is and I'm ignoring all the garbage continuity <laughs> stuff. I mean, I'm ignoring all of the garbage DC okay, continuity yeah, parts okay. of it. Okay, like, I see your point. It's your just point. bad on its own. Tim, can I just go to the movies and enjoy something crappy? Absolutely, you okay. can. But but here's the thing. There's a difference. There is crappy good and there is crappy terrible. And Joker is crappy terrible. Um, there's, there's lots of things that you can go watch. And, and I don't know if we got it here. You know what? I want to I want to talk about movies that uh, for a second stories that uh, are are more positive for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm taking yeah. the reins here. Robert. Yeah, yeah. What's good? Tell me what's good. I haven't seen Greyhound yet. That's one I, I really want to see. I have not seen that either, but it's on Apple Plus, and I don't have that. Um, no, I. You know what uh, terminology I didn't expect to enter my lexicon in 2020? What's that? In inspirational stephen king horror movies oh yeah uh, oh yeah that's another set of books so i i've never read a Stephen King book i uh because it the mm -hmm. new version so the new versions of it uh i had never seen the original movie and never read the book so i went in as blind as could possibly be and both parts of the new it had me in like just sobbing like a baby in a good way. Yeah. Where I was like, this is the most inspirational thing I've seen in I don't know how long. That's what and, I've heard. And a month or so ago, two months ago, uh, finally sat down and watched Dr. Sleep, um, which is the sequel to Shining. Oh. And Jesus Christ, that movie is phenomenal. But The Shining wasn't really the book, really. You're it was correct. like a pretty uh, abstract, not abstract, but yeah. it was a departure. Yeah. But... And, and Dr. Sleep was, like, based off of the book that Stephen King wrote that was a sequel to his book, but he also greenlit what they did with the movie. And the movie is phenomenal. I loved it. And 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 it's, I never thought, because, I mean, I grew up reading a lot of Stephen King, like Pet Cemetery, Misery, that kind of stuff, right? And, and I never thought inspirational Stephen King horror movie would be a thing I'd say, but, man, like... Uh, Dr. Sleep specifically is like after after the events of Shining, you know, 30 years later, how does this world evolve? How does Danny evolve? Like, and it's it's actually like it, it, the best thing that people probably have seen that might be listening to this is uh, uh, go watch Stand By Me. Like, yeah. And the oh, way like Stand By Me is incredible. Uh, and honestly, I hadn't seen Stand By Me until six weeks ago uh hmm. but also reduced me to tears like but i like there's great stories out there there's and like dr sleep felt like this this story that takes a bunch of classic tropes and wraps them in in modern sensibilities in a way that makes it like 
resonant and inspiring, but also terrifying. And it's, it's so good. That's what we need. We need more inspirational movies right now. We need movies to get under your skin in a good way. And this is why, Glenn, I'm going to cut you off for a second here. This is why what's going on at DC and Warner Brothers just infuriates me. Because they own the rights to the most inspiring characters yeah. in superhero stories. And they're just pissing it away on trash. And it it's makes horrible. me insane. Well, The uh, Watchmen was so freaking good. Right. Man. But that was... Goodness. And, and it was... but. Like that was such an anomaly compared to what they're doing in the movies and whatnot at this point. Um, But, you know, I mean, you give Suicide Squad, uh, my hope is Suicide Squad, the the next one that's done by James Gunn, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, I'm hoping. Wait a minute. The guy that got canceled? Well, he did. Okay. Did he get canceled? No, he's back on Guardians 3. He's back. Did not. Okay, so what happened with him? Didn't they they found some tweets back in the day or something? Or mm-hmm. yeah, he said something. And and uh, if you go dig on my Twitter timeline, you can see this yeah. uh, because he so so they found some tweets from when he was younger that got him kicked off of Guardians. Well, yeah, all of our tweets are from when we were younger, Tim. Right. Yes. Well, <laughs> when he was a lot younger. Uh, but but when that happened, like DC Warner Brothers, he like signed him up to work on Suicide Squad, and Marvel slash Disney quickly realized that like he wasn't the same person, and that he was the victim of a hit job by people who wanted to specifically target him. Yeah, cancel culture. And and Oops. and so Disney then went to him and was like, "Hey, you want to come work on Guardians Three again?" And he's like, "I do." But I've got this Suicide Squad thing I've got to work on first. And they're like, you're good. Don't worry about it. Uh, and, and like, shoot me a text later. I'll send you an interview. Like, he did an interview, I don't know, six months ago or so. It's been a little while. Where he talked about where he came out after, like, eight, ten months of silence and talked about what happened. And, and his, like, uh, his response was just astonishingly mature, uh, and 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 insightful and like i i tweeted specifically uh i don't know maybe because i don't tweet very much i might be able to find it in my timeline um like i i tweeted uh at him because i was like there's no way i'm gonna email like yeah that's what twitter's for you have like direct access to yeah whatever you want and uh, I tweeted at him and said, I know that uh, he, this is the only way he might ever see this. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, do, 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 do. I'm, I'm scrolling as quick as I can here to see. It. Ah, here we go. Yeah. So that was 2018 when he was fired from Guardians of the so Galaxy. May of 2019. Yeah. Uh, I tweeted uh, a link to an interview uh at deadline.com with James Gunn. I said, this interview with James Gunn hit this morning and it absolutely rocked <laughs> me. Uh, I need to do something I've never been done before and talk publicly about this. I said, part of the reason I'm doing so is because I can't possibly imagine a way that James Gunn might see it if I don't post it here. I mean, the guy doesn't have his email address public with good reason and I want him to know the impact he's having. Uh, I'm going through some stuff right now and this quote from James Gunn pierced my heart. Quote from James Gunn. My apparatus for being loved was my work. It has been a problem for me in relationships and friendships. 
I can experience loving another person, but have a very difficult time experiencing being loved. James Gunn made movie, end quote. James Gunn made movies, absolutely wonderful movies, trying to connect people with the things that I care about was and is my apparatus for being loved. And that decision has led to a variety of consequences. A lot of good things, but some critical holes in my life too. Uh, I'm as clear-eyed as ever about the next thing I need to work on in my life. And James Gunn being so courageously honest in that interview is a thing that is making me realize what I need to do. Huh. Uh, no, that's good and stuff. I, and I said, thank you, James Gunn, for being brave enough to give someone like me a connection in this world. Uh, and by the way, he liked the entire thread. Oh, cool. um, <laughs> that's awesome. He saw it and liked it. And it, like where he's, he's talking Screenshot about that, like, you know, oh, keep yeah. it, keep it for later, frame it. And, uh, and getting hyper emotional and personal at the end of this, cause I'm pretty sure we're close to finish. But, uh, like, you know, when I was younger, I was bad at connecting with people. And the only way I knew how to connect with people was to put the things I cared about in other people's hands. So I started selling comics and games uh, in order to make those connections. And uh, I wasn't always emotionally perfect, but I was trying my best. And uh, like in the interview that I was responding to, like James Gunn talks about like how the one way he had to connect with other people was suddenly ripped away from him. Yeah. And the amount of work he had to do uh, emotionally to to figure out how to like complete himself as a human being going forward. Yeah. And well, I, you know, if he was a comedian, everything he said would have been fine and dandy. That's hilarious. Ha ha ha. Let's move along. Really? I think, I mean, I'm sitting here reading it and it's like, I've definitely heard worse in comedy clubs, you know? Right. Um, but that's, you know, if you're, if you don't have comedian under your job title, you're not allowed to say things like that, I guess right now. Um, well, but also like when he, when he did, but the other thing is like, dude, if you're, if you got a good gig that might go back and look <laughs> at some older Facebook posts, maybe, maybe scroll through those and but take away the, one of the, the one of the reasons, jokes. one of the reasons, uh, he was reinstated on guardians was because all the stuff that it, all the stuff that he had posted that was problematic. Like it was three years prior that somebody else had like dug it up and yeah. said, Hey, and, and the studio was dealt with it and said, we're good. And then it got brought up again in the middle of a wave of, of, and God, I don't trust me. I, I'm not someone who is being diminishing, but it, like when every word that someone said ten years ago was up for inspection, mm-hmm. uh, his name happened to hit the top of the headlines, mm. and people at Disney uh, that weren't familiar with all the details cut his head off. But then, but to their credit, they dug into it afterwards and came back and said, "Actually, we we effed up." Like, and so he's back on Guardians yeah. Three, yeah, um, and. He's, yeah, he's a super sweet guy. It's it, yeah, it's absurdist stuff that I mean, you know. He worked for Trauma Studios, you know the the company that made Toxic Avenger for Christ's sakes. Like, of course he's going to make say ridiculous shit when he's young. I did not know that. Um, 
that's that's where he came from. Yeah. Like that's he worked for Toxic Toma Studios. Avenger, wow. Yeah, like that that horror, that schlocky horror movie studio. That's where he and like if you go look at his early work, stuff like Slither. Like, oh, do you ever see Slither? No. With Michael Rooker and Elizabeth Banks? No. You're you're googling it right oh, now. I'll put it on the list. I'll tell you what I'm into right now. What I'm watching. Uh, Repo Man. Yeah. That? Yeah, that's so dude, good. that movie's great. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. So good. It's yeah. So good. It's legit. I'm like halfway into it. And I'm like, yep, this is good. Why is this good? I don't know. It's weird. So weird. Yep. But I like it. Um, man, right. that is, that man, that might be a good place to end it, man. Yeah, that is awesome. Excellent, Tim. Cheers. Thank you thank for you coming in, man. Gonna pour one more because. So I've been keeping track just to get you totally up to date on the keto. Uh, I've got another like 800 calories of whiskey I can consume before. <laughs> Which is totally not going to happen. Um, I can't believe I did this, but I measured it all out, and I'm good to go. And uh, this has been so enjoyable. And, man, after this week, after this uh, whole thing, we didn't even talk about local elections. Oh, my gosh. I will tell you, this is a fun announcement for me before we go. Uh Uh-oh. I am moderating the Chamber of Commerce forums. There are going to be five of them every Wednesday uh, in the month of September, there are five Wednesdays in September at 4 p.m. You can find me and the candidates on Zoom duking it out. So we'll see how that goes. An actual boxing match? No, not well. A uh, <laughs> you know a uh, rhetorical duking out. Yeah. But it'll be good. I can't wait to do it. I'm excited about it. And I'll tell you what, this is exactly uh, what this is about: sitting and drinking and talking with Tim. More fun comics. Thank you so much for coming on. Sure. Thank you for inviting me again. Man, I needed that. That was so much fun. And I stayed within my calorie goal for the day. Woke up feeling pretty good, actually. Just got to hydrate. Anyways, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.